Welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business ideas, practices, and strategies while we enjoy our cup of coffee. And today is part two of a conversation that we had with Glenn Younger and Rob Reynolds. We were talking about in, about growing your team. That's through hiring and through the training process. Part one was last week, so if you missed that, you might want to go back and uh, check out that part of the conversation to give you a little bit of context. Some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today is going to be specifically related to our industry, but don't get too bogged down in that because you can take that and apply it to whatever industry you're in from a training process perspective. We're going to be really honing in on the training side of growing your team today, and hopefully you'll get some great value out of this conversation. Glenn Younger is an a, 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 a a individual that's been around the industry for quite a while, has learned a lot through the hiring and training process, and Rob Reynolds just the same. He is the owner of several franchises and has been growing and developing teams through training and hiring for many, many years. Great veterans of, uh, of our industry and those that have gone through a lot of these processes and learned through the hard struggles and learned through some successful experiences as well. So we're going to have a conversation with them. Grab your cup of coffee and join us. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes and it's time for a coffee break. It's time for a coffee break. So we go, okay, you're, you're going to start. Now, the biggest task that everybody uh, everybody's going to face, and this is a conversation we have all the time, is training. Rob said it earlier on, there's not a lot of people that are coming into the industry that have a lot of this training and knowledge, and a lot of us are hiring people without the experience. So the next big thing is, how do you have a, a well-defined practical training program that can get them onboarded? through your processes, not only your processes, but the actual technical side as well. The, the concept of coming up with a task list, we have 15 different task areas that we do. Uh, and this was born out of, uh, we literally bought a business that had a, a locksmith training school. Hmm. And we looked at it and said, well, their, their agenda is pretty good. And it was a eight week, four day a week kind of a class. And did we want to do that was our question. And ultimately we decided not to, but what we did was say, okay, based on what we do every day, how well are they covering those topics? And then we went looking at other kinds of training, other kind of locksmith training, and we came up with there are 15 different areas of things we do. And, you know, one of them is rekey locks. And so we need to have a, you know, a, a full array of stuff on rekeying locks and one is servicing safes. And, and so there's a whole bunch of things that we don't do. We do no automotive. And so there's a lot of things they would have to learn if they did automotive. We don't do that at all. And so it's that just makes it easier. But coming up with your task list for your customer group or for your business, I think is, is absolutely uh, brilliant, Rob. And I think that that's something that you definitely want to do. Come up with a list of stuff to learn and then, then be able to uh, address the way that people learn. And uh, if they're more than 25 years old, which I would suggest is a great age to, you know, it's just more challenging hiring somebody less than 25 years old. It brings with it its own challenges. So we really try to, we look like for my people. insurance company, Glenn. Yep. <laughs> sound like my poor insurance company now. Yeah. No, it's uh, the, the concept of starting with people over 25, their brains work differently and they, they learn differently. And so typically they will learn by doing and they're going to make mistakes and that's what helps them learn. Uh, before you're 
when you're up to about age 19, you need positive reinforcements. And everybody who has kids is understands the, the, the benefit of positive reinforcement. That works great until you're about 19 years old. Then you start getting those adult hormones. And th those basically tell your brain, hey, you got this. You know enough. You know, you're, you can't keep doubling your knowledge every year or your brain would explode. So you've got this. Go ahead and move forward with what you've got, which is great. What that really is doing is hardwiring you to make mistakes. And you're going to move forward and you're going to try stuff that you, you're not ready for. You're going to make a mistake. And that opens up your brain. Your brain is kind of on lockdown once you get to about 25 and says, I don't let just any information in. I only let important stuff in. And the way to unlock your brain, the limbic system, is to make a mistake. Emotion also does it. Or then this is, and they don't understand why, but uh, just movement, just moving around. So that's why hands-on is so important. So you can talk somebody through, you can give them a book, you can give them a video, you can do a lot of things. But until they're moving their hands, their brain doesn't connect it. So uh, motion, emotion, and failure are the three things that unlock your brain and allow you to learn. And so you've got to set them up in a spot where they're going to have an opportunity to do that. Can they physically do it? That is probably the most important thing in our mind. So we use a three-parter, and uh, this it's really demonstrate, imitate, and practice. That's what uh, teachers do, is demonstrate, imitate, and practice. As adults, adults learn differently than children. You've got to demonstrate they're going to imitate, and then they have to practice because they're not going to get it right the first time. And failure is your friend because when they fail, if it's an acknowledged failure, their brain opens up and said, okay, that didn't work. Let's try something else. And that's something that as you get older and grayer, as I am, <laughs> you start to appreciate, you know, those mistakes that you made really helped you learn and move forward. And you, you, we learn very little from success. All we learn when we have a lot of a success is, hey, I'm pretty good. I'm smart. I know it all. And that's not true. And so uh, failure is much better teacher as an adult than success is what I'm suggesting. And so just being aware of that, you know, set people up for learning. Let failure be your friend. Let them fail a little bit. Fail little. Experiment cheaply so they don't fail big. Fail, fail on that Lagarde lock in your store, in your shop. Don't fail in front of a customer or on a customer safe. Fail easily and cheaply. You know, experiment cheaply. Fail easily, uh, but but realize that that's part. That's one of the steps. So it's the, one of the process of learning. Everybody who knows anything has had lots of failures to get there. Can you copy this key? That's a question we get asked about three thousand four hundred twenty-two times a year. And how can you actually be sure that the person who asked that question is supposed to get a copy of that key? Well, we think you should always know who can copy your keys to your business and your home because it could be your neighbor, an old employee, a contractor, or even worse, your mother-in-law. At LockDock Security, we believe in protected key systems so you always know who has a copy of your key. To find out more, visit LockDock.net or stop by our Charlotte location. LockDock Security, helping you protect your people and your property. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, and I want to even go back to, um, I think Rob had a very valid point on the, on the paper book. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of digital, right? Um, but I can tell you that we really, we really forced really hardcore on going all digital um, on all of our training material, and then um, surprisingly, 
um, a lot of people kind of rolled back to it over the past two years. They said, we want a, we want a three-ring binder. Give us a three-ring binder. And so that it's exactly as he described, uh, putting that information in there and keeping it with you, and you kind of have a growing manual with you. So a couple of big takeaways from what you guys said, and I think these are really massive um, for anybody that's looking to hire people and especially train them in the technical side is to, to develop a, tr a checklist. And I think Rob had a valid point. If you're gonna send somebody off for intensive training, that's great, but you still need to have a checklist to make sure you know what you're getting and what you're expecting for them to learn out of that process. If you develop your own training processes internally or if you're sending it uh, out to a, a third party or to a, another agency to train them, at least have an idea of what you're trying to get them to do. And having that, um, having that collateral material I think is very valid and it's very beneficial because at the end of the day, I think historically in our industry, and you guys can kind of help me to, to, to say if I'm off base on this or not, but I think historically in our industry, it's a lot of watch me do this and learn. Um, and so when you're trying to just watch it and, you're, and you don't quite understand it, and then it's just a lot of verbal instruction, do this, do that, do this, do that. And, and it's hard to retain the verbal um, and it's hard to retain when somebody's just saying, watch me do this. So if you can, if you can, like you said, Glenn, get your hands in there and actually learn with your hands, but then have something to reference it back to. If it's making my own notes um, and adjusting based off of that curriculum or that checklist that, that you've developed, then it now helps me to retain and have some application to the show me and listen to what I'm saying atmosphere, um, which a lot of times we hang up on because I know that we've all, and we're probably all three guilty of this at some point through trying to train somebody that we said, I remember I've told you this, I, t I taught you this. And it's like, well, I have no idea that, you know, it's, it was so long ago, I don't remember it, but you're giving something for reference material to go off to. That's, that's very, very valid. Um, with that, so now how, once you're training people, you're, you're putting through them through a program, you've developed a checklist, you're, you're going through that. How do I know that I'm on track? How do I know that I'm learning? How do I know that I'm growing in the organization? Is there, are there any signs that you can point to to say, hey, this is, this is, you're doing it right. And, and yes, I, I, how am I being rewarded for what I'm doing, doing well? Rob, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? How do you reward uh, through that process so that people know that they're, they're kind of moving down the right path? So it's a great question. And it's, it's, it's kind of at the root of the whole discussion here is, what I would consider feedback, right? Someone needs to have a feedback loop. Uh, you're not just blasting them with calls and information. You're getting something back, uh, both for you as an employer, as well as the employee that knows that they do that. There are a ton of ways to do that. There are a ton of real formal sort of uh, systems that, that people can use and, uh, and, and take advantage of. However, um, from a more general standpoint, um, to reward the people who are in our sort of line of work that helps to augment what you're trying to accomplish in the business. Um, I've, I've got a, a, a couple ones. So the first one is, is training. Um, people who are involved in the business, when I say, hey, are you ready to go for advanced training on uh, Mercedes? Oh, yeah. You know, that's a definite feedback loop that that person says, regardless of you say, OK, good job, good job, good job, good job. Here's your paycheck. Here's your paycheck. Here's your paycheck. That's kind of regular life. Right. It happens all the time. But when I say, hey, we want to send you to the school for this advanced training or for an instance of commercial, some sort of certifications or some sort of stuff to do that. Um, second one is tools. 
Um, a lot of folks in our industry like toys, like tools and, and equipment. Uh, the nice thing about tools is they only they not only can be a reward, but they can help people to be more efficient uh, in what they're doing. Uh, third one for me is terrain. So if you look at a city like Nashville, there's a wide uh, area of the city. Some parts of the city are busier. Some parts of the city have more volume. Uh, I'm going to reinforce my successful people by putting them in the most successful place, right? Where they can do the most with what that is. So in the terrain that they can work. So a prime zone, if you would. Uh, time off. So especially in a 24-7 business, um, there's lots of slots in the schedule to be able to uh, where people go. Um, a, a person who is really doing the right thing, they're really uh, putting when, you know, someone says 110%, you can put 110%, but you could be 110% of average, right? You could be 300% of average. So because you can tell when somebody's performing, we have all kinds of metrics and, and quality assurance checks and stuff that can quantify that, but forget all the fancy stuff. Hey, you're my primary person. What day do you want off? What days do you want off to try to customize that schedule around them? And then the, the last one for me is, is, is simple. It's take them to lunch. Um, not just as a group, uh, but one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, what One is everybody's got to eat, right? So it's not something super special out of the ordinary, but I can learn more about my business. I can learn more about their status. I can give them feedback on a one-on-one -on -one basis that doesn't come across the same way as an email or a text message or a, what we call a, a popper, which is a pop-a-lock standard operating procedure, you know, like a write-up good or bad, right? Um, it's different. It's sitting down with them. Uh, for me, one of the biggest things that I usually get out of those sort of meetings is ways to save money in my organization. Some you know, people like to tell you, hey, I think we're wasting money here or wasting money there uh, when you're doing a one-on-one -on -one, uh, through there. So I think those, uh, those five T's um, for me are, are the, is the engine of that feedback and that motivation and that development that uh, they know that they're they're doing a great job. If you work for me and you never ask for tools, you never ask for training, um, you don't care what times you work or anything, and you're just ambivalent and nonchalant, uh, it's not saying you're a bad person or even a bad worker. They may be just fine. Um, but for those who are, to be conscious of that, that those are the, some of the things that can stimulate and reward folks and help the business at the same time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Coffee Break Podcast. If this information has been helpful to you or you just really kind of like our theme song, can you help us out by rating us on whatever app you're using? And if you get really fancy, how about sharing a screenshot on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn? Okay, enough of all this. Let's get back to the conversation. Those are those are terrific. Uh, I love it. They're all kind of uh, your five T's, Rob, are kind of what I'll call learn and earn. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. We take our 15 categories and it's a learn and earn program. And so once, you, once you've cleared one category, then you get more money per hour. And then when you clear the next category, there's a couple of things you've got to do. You've got to do a little test and uh, sort of prove that you really know what you say you know. And... Uh, once you test it, and then you have to uh, add a question to the test. So the next person following you who takes that test, it's a better test than when you took it. And it's like, I can't believe you guys didn't ask me X, Y, or Z, and you have them improve the test, and then they get a bonus. 
And if that's a way for them to pick up an extra 25 cents an hour in a couple of years, they can make two, three, four dollars an hour more than what they were when they started. That learn and earn really makes a big difference. The other thing that I think makes a big difference, and, and I, I don't want to jump too far ahead here, Chad, but the kind of idea of sort of who to teach and who to who to be that mentor to help them through. Um, I think that's really uh, valid. I've seen a lot of places where they've got the absolutely wrong person in charge of teaching. And it's maybe obvious to somebody outside their organization. But uh, once you once you get started doing that, uh, if you've got it doesn't matter the, the job it, at uh, in distribution, we used to have to hire uh, warehouse people, pack a box and there's sort of a right way and a wrong way. The idea of who to teach and how to teach to begin with, asking somebody how they learn best, you know, it's just like asking, you know, you know, what's your favorite color? There's nothing discriminatory about that. And asking, how do you learn best? And because you're, we all have lots of different ways. Rob mentioned earlier some, uh, some great intensive in-person in, uh, classes. Some people learn well in in-person classes. Many people don't. And... Uh, then it's, you've got to be able to adapt to what their learning style is. I've had uh, some people with either reading disabilities or learning disabilities. And one of the brightest guys I've got is not a great reader, but he remembers everything that's ever said to him. Yeah. And uh, uh, we have some people here, we're sort of multicultural, we're a border city. So I've got three or four people who are uh, who grew up and went to high school in Mexico. And yeah. so English is the second language. And does that make them not as great a learner in English? Sometimes uh, some of them are, are terrific learners, but being able to adapt your teaching style, whether it's video or readings or webinars or hard copy or digital or in-person classes, uh, eventually we'll be able to go back to in-person classes, but uh, any of those kinds of things can work better or worse for some people. And coming out of this, I think we're gonna be able to ask that question or people are gonna say, I don't learn anything in webinars. And other people are going to say, I think webinars are the best thing ever. <laughs> and it doesn't make them better or worse. It just makes them different. Knowing that difference is really important. But then the second bit of that is really having somebody who's going to be a mentor to teach them. Uh, really, who's going to be the teacher? I see a lot of people say, well, my most experienced person is going to be the teacher. The most experienced person has almost no experience cannot put themselves in the feet of that person who's there on their first week. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult for them to do somebody who's been there for two years. And if they teach, if they're trying to teach a skill, uh, I believe the first time teacher learns more than learns more than the first time student. So uh, if somebody has been here for a year and they're teaching somebody how to change a safe combination, mm -hmm. the person teaching it learns more because they're going to get a question that they didn't, that they didn't anticipate they're going to have a failure. They're going to learn more than the student actually does. Mm -hmm. And so it's a great way to expand your team. And, and that is to have multiple people, not have your mo absolutely most experienced person. I've seen that fail over and over and over again, where the most experienced locksmith is the trainer. Mm -hmm. And that may not be the best trainer, in my opinion. No, it's, it's valid. I, I can tell you that another component of that is the, the person that's learning so that they can teach will also teach at a more in-depth or a uh, they'll cover things that maybe a more experienced trainer or, or teacher may omit because they feel that it's obvious 
um, and somebody that doesn't have any preconceived notion is going to get a little more, uh, a little deeper dive into a topic or a discussion because they don't have any reason to admit something based off of what they feel would be the obvious. I can tell you from our experience, um, our current training director, we found him in our own organization that way. We said, hey, we want you to teach a class on Master King. And he was like, I've never taught Master King before. I said, well, that'll be a great opportunity for you to develop uh, a, 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 a class on it. And he did. And when he did that, we were like kind of blown away because the level of uh, of, of depth of knowledge that he went into to teach others and the simplicity that he brought to the table so that everybody could understand it was was very beneficial. And people people that had been with us for years learned from it because it was at a different level than what maybe we would have gone through because we admitted things that, again, we, we thought may be obvious or uh, maybe we we went too deep into something and comp- overcomplicated it. Rob, what are your, your thoughts on that? One, on uh, the different learning styles and two, on... Um, on using people that maybe you're not experienced to, to learn something to be able to teach others. The, we were talking about feedback earlier. So one of the things that we have instituted, and I will gladly give credit to the PLDC, Primary Leadership Development Course from uh, the United States Army uh, that I got exposed to, is uh, the ask-pause-call method. And so ask-pause-call is where you ask a question, you wait, and then if it's a group of people, then you would call on the person. If it's just a single individual person, then you would prompt them for a response. And what we have done with this is an extreme. If you started training, if you spoke to some top lock that went through all the training and everything and said, what about the questions? Oh, my God. Everything's questions. From the very beginning, when you walk in the class, we may convey some information, but we try to put the person in question, right? To say that, okay, how do you think you change the ink in this? Well, you probably unscrew it. Maybe you pull it. Uh, maybe it breaks in half. Hey, you're absolutely right. It's to give me a just unscrewed. So that sort of, um, that sort of mentality helps you know where the person stands. It keeps them engaged. Mm. Um, so if you have a visual, a kinesthetic, um, an auditory learner, whatever t- type of learning style that is, because you're constantly questioning them about what you're about to do, what they're doing and what they just did, it is surprising that it almost becomes like a, a, a rhythm, a routine. So if I come in and I'm just blasting the person, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end of the week, I'd say we're going to take a written test. That's like the exact opposite versus we're going to make cookies today. What's your favorite kind of cookie? We're not making those type of cookies today. What's your second type, favorite type of cookie? It, it's just engaging them, even if it's something simple. Um, when someone walks into that initial class to start asking just some basic questions, like we, we, we kind of joked about, we have a socket set, those sort of things. But ultimately, that questioning creates that constant feedback loop and it's hard to do. It's without sounding hoax uh, or, or getting too far off course. It's very context specific and it's something that we specifically train. And I would encourage anybody, if they have a person that's coming off the street, focus more on that Socratic sort of questioning method than a blast them with information, feed them from a fire hose. Feed them from a fire hose, but then immediately stop and ask them what the water tastes like. 
So that's uh, <laughs> that. That's our, our little methodology as far as trainers. It every time I have sat down and watched somebody and began to train them on something hands on, I have a little spiel that I go through. I have trained well over a thousand people on this task that you're performing. I've watched people's hands shake. I've watched people that just blow it apart the very first time they touch it. I've watched people that we've had to do this 10 times before they remember each little sequence. It's okay. In fact, I like watching you struggle because it means you're learning. So getting someone comfortable with that, with the learning experience and that, hey, you look, I'm going to blow it apart too. So now we're going to put it back together. Let's blow it apart again. Uh, a person who is the most experienced locksmith on the staff, and this is a little bit more uh, kind of judgment than essentially like basic tenants, but that experienced person may need to be out ramrodding jobs and working and taking care of stuff. Sometimes a new person who just learned something. Remember all of the little obstacle that they had in accomplishing the past. Oh, there's a hidden screw behind the door handle. Um, this is the one that you have to pop the face cap off. Uh, that's why you can't find the, oh, this one's on the edge of the door. Yeah, there were five of those. I remember we did five of them. And then they they go through those pieces versus the experienced person that says, well, that's a lorry. You got to use an Allen wrench and then leaves. And the person's like, a lorry, an Allen wrench. You know, then now they're Googling around or, or asking what for us is, been a ground shaking, uh, you know, paradigm shifting thing is Facebook. So Facebook for work, uh, we have just like you have groups like Locksmith Nation, uh, the Automotive Locksmith Support Group, you have these specialized uh, key pro clear star, these, these sort of pieces. I don't care if it's just three people in your organization uh, and they don't use Facebook at all and they only use it for work and they use a work email, that's fine. And you don't want to be involved in their personal. That's perfectly fine. But Facebook for business is free. It allows uh, archiving of all the posts. It allows you to store documents on there. It's a perfect little place to put a lot of that information. And what ends up happening is someone who felt that they weren't learning or they, they were having trouble, they may feel more comfortable asking an inexperienced person mm. than the boss or someone who's perceived to be a boss or someone that maybe says, oh, well, they're learning. Why'd they ask a dumb question? You know, you ask a new person, they're like, oh, I had the same dumb question uh, of last year. So they they may feel more comfortable. So from a holistic perspective, that's, that's the kind of ways that I look at it in terms of the learning styles and then uh, leveraging the people in the organization, new and old, to uh, to help mentor is the term that Glenn used. And now we just have a different sort of mentorship. It's a more of an electronic and email and text message. And um, along that line, one of the most important things, I think, that that learning style is you have to capture this information. Right. So what we encourage everyone to do from the very beginning of training is open your phone. Do you know how to get to your uh, do you know how to get to your camera? Do you know how to take a quick note? Do you know how to take a voice report? Um, we use a free tool called Evernote. If you've ever read any of my posts in the general locksmith community, I think it's one of the most underrated, underutilized tools. It's free and it basically stores archives and makes searchable 
almost anything you encounter, anything you write in it, anything you take pictures on, it's private. But if you want to share something, it makes it very easy to share that. And I don't think that that's just good for the company. I think it's good for the individual to take those pictures, especially if they're going through a, a new process. And even to ask, hey, can you let me get a better picture of that instead of just standing out of the way um, and make some more of an active participant. Literally, as we go through these things, your job is to document it. You use your phone and, and so that you can learn these things later. Hey, I might need. Uh, I, I had a person that sent me literally uh, answered a question that I had that I had answered for someone else in Evernote eight years ago. This happened this week in regards to price for pin code. So it's one of those things where I've got to plant a seed and I got to benefit from it as well. Well, going back to your earlier question, it's uh, chocolate, white chocolate macadamia nut or chocolate chun chunks with uh, sea salt caramel. That's my favorite cookies. Uh, if you wanted to make those very nice. What go one very of the nice. <laughs> one of the points that you made, um, I think is very relevant. It, I heard a guy do this very frequently, um, and I thought it was very I thought it I thought it landed well. It's it's asking the questions con to continue to create engagement, but giving the information or giving the answer up front. So he would do something like this this pin is green. You know, Glenn, what color is this pin? And then Glenn would Boom. say, It's green. Right. And so you, you have that continual engagement. So you're giving the answer and then asking for the answer to be given back rather than just, again, like you said, the fire hose of information, hoping that you catch part of it um, and it, and it kind of lands there. So uh, on that note, Glenn, what's your favorite cookie? <laughs> chocolate chip. Chocolate Great chip. Old chocolate chip. There you go. Any final, chocolate chip. Any I, final closing I, thoughts? Because I know our time is, is moving here, but I wanted to kind of get some closing thoughts and then we'll, we'll get out of here today. Uh, Rob, I loved your idea of a uh, teacher asking questions and using the Socratic method as well. Uh, I had an employee once named Roz Walker, uh, uh, ex-Army, <laughs> and she taught me that whoever's asking the questions is in control of the conversation. And so great training opportunity there. Uh, so my closing thoughts are really demonstrate, imitate, practice. Uh, my mom used to say repetition is the mother of learning. There you go. Rob, your final thoughts. So the final thought is the other challenge. We, we've been talking about new people coming into an organization and, and growing them, which is, to be honest, that's the low-hanging fruit because there's a forced need to, for them to learn. There's a forced need. There's a strong motivation. What becomes a challenge is a 25-year-plus locksmith that works for you, uh, who is a CML, CMST, CMAL, what, whatever they, whatever qualifications and certifications. They're just a very competent person, and to be able to continue to grow with them, uh, certainly the five T's and things that we talked about, time off terrain, those things are going to be a factor. But I think uh, what I'm about to say may be a little bit controversial. Uh, in the in the minds of probably the people who I'm describing is to try to avoid letting people pigeonhole themselves. And what I mean by that is, well, I'm the residential guy. I'm the automotive girl. Um, I just do cameras. Uh, I'm only do access control. So I know the great days of the generalist that just does everything all the time. Uh, it has has changed. Now we have more specific automotive specific access control, and it can even be by licenses and, and certain legalities that it has to be that way. But the ability to cross-train an experienced person into something new, sometimes you come across with stunning results. They can take away 
resources. They can take away resource uh, how to look stuff up. Uh, things that they may have noticed in automotive, but for example, uh, the storage, we, we store keys a certain way. Someone goes, oh, man, that's perfect for storing those parts that I had for my access control stuff. So there's, there's cross learning and cross training. And ultimately, sometimes someone may need help. Uh, and it, it's a, it's, it's a waste to take someone who's a hugely, uh, asset to the company, very advanced in their stuff and just, just let them float, right? So we have to have a plan for those experienced people, not just for the newbies. Just a reminder, you're listening to the Coffee Break Podcast. Also, we wanted to let you know that our team puts together a weekly blog post. You can find it at locdoc.net slash blog. It's guaranteed to raise your IQ by 12 points or your money back. So it's pretty much a win-win. All right, back to the conversation. Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you again to Glenn and Rob for sharing their time with us for the conversation for the past two weeks. If this is your first time listening or watching, we invite you to come join more of these episodes. They're all available at lockdoc.net slash podcast. That's L-O-C-D-O-C dot net slash podcast podcast. And it's all there for you. You can see the video version as well as the audio version. You can subscribe on whatever platform that you enjoy listening to your podcast on. There's over a hundred episodes for you to go check out with all kinds of topics relating to business ideas, practices, and strategies. We are just trying to learn from others and share the information that we're learning with our customers and with our industry and with our connections uh, out on the, in the on the World Wide Web. So we uh, welcome you to listen to all of the all the podcasts that we have and watch all the videos that we have. They're available for you. Go check them all out. LOCDOC.net slash podcast. We'll see you next time right here on the Coffee Break Podcast. <laughs>